Well, good morning. Forgiveness. In a few minutes, we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, if you want to go on and turn there. But as we begin this morning, I just thought I would uh, share some things with you. Many of you know that for 26 years, I was in Illinois to church before I moved here to Dunwoody Baptist Church. And during that time, I was a worship leader. So I'm well aware of all the suggestions you all make to Robert on a weekly basis. Um, There were many times when I came into the sanctuary before a service, and I would look across and I would see someone, and it was as if there was a bright light just shining on them. And there wasn't a bright light shining on them, but in my mind and in my head, I knew that what I needed to do is go and say something to that person. Because in that time, it was someone that either that morning I had shared something with or, or spoke with them a way I shouldn't have or was maybe short with them in a conversation or maybe I was just mean to them at some point. Or maybe during that week that I had had an encounter with them that wasn't really how God would want me to live. And I believed in what the book of Matthew says. I do believe it still. If you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother and sister, and then come back and offer your gift. And for me, to lead in worship that day, I know what I needed to do. I know I needed to go to that person and say, the way I spoke to you this morning or the way I responded to you this week, it was wrong, and I ask you to forgive me. Now, many times that person would look at me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And I would wonder, why did I wrestle with this? But I knew that I needed to do that. Another time, uh, when I was in college, it was a springtime, and many churches would do a springtime revival. Grew up in Kentucky. A guy who had been a mentor to me and a part of my life, he wanted me to come and help lead in a revival service. Well, this was over the weekend in the spring, and And I would prefer to go with the Louisville basketball team. I played in the pep band. And I would prefer to go with them on one of the NCAA trips for the tournament instead of go to this church and help in a revival service. So that's what I did. Several years later, I was wrestling with that. I had to call that man and say, when this happened, I'm sorry. I think I made the wrong decision. And I just wanted to call you and ask if you would forgive me. And again, that gentleman said, I'll forgive you. I I don't remember this happening, but I'll forgive you. And I was like, why? Why? And another story. This is not going to be 30 minutes of me just confessing all my sins. I'm going to give you all a chance to do that in a moment. No, I'm just kidding with that. A dad from one of our students came in my office and let me have it for something that I had said. And he was right. And I had to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And then I had to take it a step further because his wife had been part of that conversation too and she was at work. She didn't come to my office. So I left my office and I went to her work and asked if I could speak to her and say what I did was wrong. Will you forgive me? And she said, yes, and I believe that those people forgave me, but I also know this, that our relationship was never the same as it had been before. Does that make sense to anybody? Even though forgiveness had been offered, that relationship wasn't the same. 
We're going to talk about forgiveness today. Extravagant forgiveness. And as I was studying this passage, I ran across these two sentences in a commentary. It's called the Christ-Centered Exposition, Exalting Jesus in Matthew. And these two sentences said this. In Christ, we have received extravagant grace. Christians, we now extend extravagant grace. And this thought just rang in my head and still rings in my head. We've received extravagant grace. We have received forgiveness. Now, we have the great opportunity, the command, to go and extend that extravagant grace and forgiveness to others. So at the end of our message today, we're going to have a prayer. And it looks like this. And I wanted to show you where we're going And I wanted to give you an opportunity to go on and say that prayer together now at the beginning of our service and let it just kind of ring in your head and let you wrestle with it and then we'll come back to it at the end. Would you say this out loud with me? God, let forgiveness be a characteristic of our church. As I extend forgiveness, remind me of the extravagant grace shown to me and enable me to extend that same extravagant grace to others. We all forgive me for standing in the way of the screen, and y'all couldn't see. Uh, I could hear and watch them just moving back and forth to see the words. Forgiveness. As I extend forgiveness, remind me of the extravagant grace that has been shown to me, and enable me to extend that same extravagant grace to others. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have just to open up your word and your truth and let it speak to us. So open up our eyes and show us new things today. Open up our ears and let us hear great things from you and open up our heart and let your words just penetrate our life just so they don't just become words that we hear today, but it becomes a way that we can change our life and live differently for you and live a life that is characterized by forgiveness, not just personally, but help it be a characteristic of our church. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for everything. It's in your name we pray it all. Amen. The sermon bumper we had about forgiveness today it was wonderful hearing all those things, wasn't it? We have a blooper reel available. Uh, we would show it, but then it would be another opportunity for us to extend forgiveness for the people for what they said. So Brian and Jonathan and Jeremy, thanks for giving that, getting that reel together for us. Some of the things we heard in that reel, when you don't hold on to something that someone has done for you, what is forgiveness? When you don't hold a grudge, when you let someone get away and go when you let it go for something that you did. If you do something mean, then someone can forgive you. It's the ultimate act of love that you can truly forgive. It is love. If you love, you will forgive. To accept something that is done to you and move on. To be at peace with something or someone. Loving someone after they have done something to you. 
being willing to let something go, even if you were offended by it. God giving forgiveness for our sins. Letting go of something that someone has in some way offended or hurt you. When you've done something bad and you want to earn someone's trust back, taking a burden off your heart, a release of anger, letting it go, restoring fellowship, understanding the other person's point of view, an act of pardon, clearing up an understanding, redefining the terms of the boundaries that have been infringed upon, discussing the issue with the person who has harmed you, relieving someone of the guilt or feelings that someone has when they sin or when they do something wrong. And as our pastor Alan would say, giving up the right to be right. Now, I believe with forgiveness, like I think of a lot of other things, that when we're asked the question or if we had a test, we took a test and saw an answer here, that I believe that we could get the answer right. I believe that we could, in a test and on a piece of paper, we can tell someone or show someone that we know the definition of forgiveness. But I wonder this. Do we live it out in our lives? Is it more than just an answer on a piece of paper? But do we truly live out forgiveness in everything that we do? Is our life characterized by forgiveness? You know the old saying, the proof's in the pudding? Have you ever heard that? Anybody on the front row ever heard that? In our life, the proof of whether we understand it or not is how we live. So today, don't let forgiveness just be a correct answer that you can say out loud, but let it be a characteristic of your life. I read this quote in a book on forgiveness. It says this. Doesn't everyone know what forgiveness is? Why, then when, when someone has wronged me, I expect him to come and apologize. Then I tell him, that's okay. That's forgiveness, isn't it? Most of the time, I'm afraid we feel this way. I won't forgive until someone else says that they're sorry. I won't forgive until someone else comes and says, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. And once they say that they're sorry, then we'll say, oh, okay, now that you've said you're sorry, I'll forgive you. That's not what the Bible indicates to us. We forgive because God in Christ has forgiven us. The same author of that book has this phrase that I, that I found to be true and funny. But the author says, the one with the sore toes goes. Here's what he means by that. We may be holding on to anger and frustration and hurt from something or someone, something someone did or, or something someone said. We might be holding on to that anger, that hurt, and that frustration. The person we are angry, frustrated, and hurt toward may not even know that they've hurt us. Somebody has said something or reacted to us in a certain way, and we just get offended by that, and we hold on to that, and we get so angry with that person. Then what happens is sometimes, right, we pull other people in with us. Is anybody with me here? Can anybody track with me what I'm saying? Here's a little clue. This means yes. This means no. Because I would love for you to respond. Because I don't want you to feel bad because we all do this. 
We all have times in our life when we're just frustrated with someone and we're, we're frustrated with what they said or we're frustrated with what we did and we just hold on to that instead of going to that person and saying, you know what, what you did or what you said, that really hurt me. And many times that person is gonna look at you and say, I, I didn't realize it did. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Now you have a chance. You can hold on to that anger or you can reach out and you say, absolutely, I forgive you. Forgiveness. We're gonna look at a passage of scripture that talks about this. It's in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. And God's word says this. Then Peter approached him, which would be Jesus, and asked, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of the servant had compassion, released him, and forgave him the loan. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and went and reported to their master everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Today we're going to look at the first part of the parable and the next Sunday Pastor Allen will dig into the end of this parable for us. And as we think about this parable, we recognize that in the Old Testament, we see forgiveness in the heart of worship for the Israelites. We see sacrifices, we see forgiveness and reconciliation being offered through a sacrificial system. It's been said that there were so many Israelites that the fires of the altar just continually burned the sacrifice. Praise God that Jesus came and took care of that sacrifice once and for all. Amen. Our modern concept of forgiveness did not exist in the Greek or Roman world, that, that part that was a big influence on Western civilization. Forgiveness was not a virtue among the Greek philosophers. They used words like pity and pardon, but it wasn't forgiving. It was excusing. Think about the literature you might have read from back in that time. Literature just about revenge 
and getting even. They thought they were morally excellent, so forgiveness was unnecessary. They had a pantheon of gods, but in these gods, they didn't have one God that was the supreme God that would offer sacrifice, a deliverance, a deity that would just bring this messianic forgiveness for them. They didn't have that. They didn't think it was needed. And it was in this culture that Jesus tells this parable. And this parable was a radical example for the people. So why did Jesus tell the parable? Well, Peter starts with a question. He has a human problem from a human perspective. Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister? Peter thinks he has a big heart because he knows that the rabbis of that time would only require you to ask for forgiveness three times. So Peter takes that number three and he, I'm gonna double it and add one. I'm gonna make it a perfect number. Jesus, should I forgive him seven times? He's probably thinking real big of himself. Jesus is like, no, not seven times. 70 times seven. Some of your Bibles might say 77 times. A lot of people would think that's a more accurate translation. Go back to Genesis 4 and some of the things that Genesis 4 tells us about forgiveness. But here's the reality. Three times by the rabbi, seven times that Peter says, 77 times, 490 times. The number really doesn't matter because most of us have a problem with just doing it once. Jesus explodes any notion of a limit to forgiveness. He explodes any notion of that. And in this parable, we see it as a kingdom of heaven principle. The king is collecting a debt. A man owes such a huge amount that repayment, that restitution is impossible. See, one talent equals about 6,000 denarii or 20 years of wages. One talent. This man owes 10,000. So think in terms of about $4 billion or roughly four years of my salary. I'm kidding, all right? Unless we want to make a motion and then some seconds. I'll be happy with that. An enormous debt, an enormous number. Even in the time of the parable, the words that Jesus used with the 10,000 talents, that was the largest number they had for something that someone owed or someone had. That was the extremes for them. And they just looked at this and they said, oh my goodness, this man owes 10,000 how can he ever repay this debt? And he couldn't. A debt that could never, ever be repaid. So his family, everything he owned would be sold to repay the debt. The servant says, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. This is a phrase we'll hear pretty much word for word next week when Pastor Allen teaches in the second part. Be patient with me. He's going to hear the same words that he said right here. And the king forgave the entire debt out of sheer compassion for the servant. An extreme debt, forgiven. The audience, when they heard this, this message, this parable, they were astonished. And we see here that boundless grace is shown. 
extreme, extravagant grace is shown by the king. You owe this debt. You've asked to be forgiven. So I'll forgive you. And we'll return to the king forgiving the debt in just a moment. But after boundless grace is shown, we see a brainless reaction. But Tim Keller says in his book, Forgive, this parable is an account of forgiveness failure because that is the usual human story. In the famous story of the prodigal son, the father's forgiveness is often met with offense and controversy. We want justice. Where's the justice in this? The son comes back, but he did some things wrong. Where's the justice in this? We, we just were offended by it. We, we just confused by this story instead of meeting it with love and generosity from the father. You see, we want people to forgive our offense but we don't want to forgive others for what they've done to us. Can anybody relate to that? Once again, yes or no. Nobody's looking around. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. But I think in our lives, if I do something to someone, I want them to forgive me. But if they do something to me, I'm not as quick to want to forgive them. That's why he says that this is a usual human story. We see a man who is a servant living only by the mercy of the king, but then he was acting as if he is the king. And I believe that God's word, I believe his word is a map and a mirror into our life. And for me, this mirror that I see when I read this, I wonder if, if am I or are we acting like a king living by God's mercy, sitting in judgment of others and putting ourselves in God's place? Am I doing this? See, we need a change of heart. We must have a change of heart. Like the number of times to forgive, the amount of money is not the main point. The king forgave a debt that the servant could never, ever repay. Again, I would say that it was such a huge amount that the repayment and the restitution is impossible. The king forgave the entire debt out of sheer compassion for the servant. An extreme debt forgiven. And an audience who first heard this parable, astonished. I hope it's obvious to you that the king in this parable represents God. And the servants are God's people. And the settling of the accounts is judgment. And because of our sin, because of my sin, because of your sin, because of our sin, we owe a debt that can never, ever be repaid. We can't do enough on our own. The Old Testament, we just see it over and over again. Today, many of you studied the story of the king's They would bring in someone as a prophet to lead, a judge. And the judge for a period of time might have led the people, but when they were gone, they still went and followed back the old ways, the, the bad ways. Just proving that th these judges weren't even the, the number one thing that they needed. They needed Jesus to come and be ultimate for us. 
To quote the quiet Christ-centered exposition again, the author says this, to use the analogy of the debt that this servant owed, that there is no price tag that you or I could ever put on our sinfulness before an infinitely holy God. When you and I think, well, I haven't sinned as much as this person or that person, we show that we have no clue as to the extent of our own sin. Our debt is deep, infinitely deep, but Christ has paid it. Out of sheer compassion, the Father sent his Son to endure the wrath that you and I deserve, and now we are free from sin's penalty, free not only as servants, but as a son. The Bible is not saying that it is easy to forgive or natural to forgive. However, it is Christian to forgive. In fact, the Christian has no other option. We forgive not because we have to, but because in love, we are compelled to. Only Jesus can enable the kind of forgiving heart this passage calls for. Gratefully, he reminds us of the extent compassion He reminds us of the extent compassion that he has shown to us as the least deserving sinners. And by his grace, he enables us to extend that same extravagant compassion to those whom we would label as the least deserving. This kind of forgiveness should characterize the church. Extreme love came down to earth in the form of Jesus and in the form of a servant. And the judge of all the world was judged. He took on the cross the payment and the debt for our sin that we could never pay. And in that moment, in the book of Luke, Luke the 23rd chapter, Jesus says as he's on the cross, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Yet in our lives, We're rude and we're mean to the people who've done something wrong to us, but we realize that even Jesus didn't act like that to his torturers. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Sin is ugly. Sin is messy. You may have been saying this whole time, listen, you don't know what they've done to me. And you're right. You don't know what they've done to me, so how do I ever start to forgive them? Well, today, I would have you start here to accept God's forgiveness. Where do you start? Let's accept God's forgiveness. Let's recognize that even as we start reading scripture from the very beginning, that God created us to be in a relationship with him. That that's how God designed the whole world. And we don't read very far into the Bible where we realize that our sin separates us from God. It creates a debt that we could never repay. Our sin separates us from God. And as we continue to read, we realize that sin in our life cannot be removed by doing good things. We can't do enough good things to get the sin out of our life by ourselves. But praise the Lord as we get to the New Testament We realize that paying the price for our sin, Jesus Christ died and he rose again. And everyone who trusts in him alone will have eternal life. Everybody who trusts in him will have eternal life. If we understand that that debt that we couldn't repay was taken care of by Jesus on the cross and he offers us forgiveness and grants us forgiveness, 
everyone who trusts in him will have eternal life. And that life eternal starts now and lasts forever. Today, accept God's forgiveness. Pastor Allen next week is going to dig more into the end of this parable. And we're going to talk about how can I forgive? And some of you are wrestling with that now. How can I forgive? This week, I want you to lean into God. I want you to listen to him. And I want, I want you to let him and the Holy Spirit speak to you. The book of Psalms says some words that the band and the worship leaders played for us and sang for us a minute ago. And I invite them to come on stage with us right now as we end. Psalm 130 tells us this. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. The words we sang a minute ago, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in the Lord. Where do you start forgiving someone? No doubt there are people in this room that have had something just awful happen to them. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, you're saying this, but I don't see any way that I could ever forgive this person for what they did to me. And you're right, again, I don't know what you've gone through, but here's what I know. It's just like in this parable, the king had this enormous debt that could never be repaid. And when the servant said, be patient with me, I'll take care of you. The king had compassion on him. And the king had compassion on him and he forgave that debt. Accept God's forgiveness today. Let him speak to you this week. In Christ, we have received extravagant grace. Christians, we now extend extravagant grace. We're going to have a time to sing a song, Oh, Come to the Altar. I've asked Alan and Jeff to come and just stand down here with me. Maybe Alan on this side, Jeff on this side. I'll be here in the middle. We want to give you a time during this song. Don't let it be a gathering song. Don't let it be a song where you just get all the stuff around you and you get ready to go so that you can go out and leave. Let it be a song that we sing today. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's love. We're gonna sing about that. And let God continue to speak to you. And if there's something that you need to deal with, if there's someone that you need to go to, if there's something that you would like to pray with you about something, we are here for you. We want you to accept God's forgiveness. We want you to understand what he has done for us. And we want your life to be characterized by that forgiveness. So as we respond today, as we sing today, I invite you to stand. And I want us to say this prayer together. Would you stand with me? I want us to say this prayer out loud together. And I would love to hear you say this prayer. After the prayer, Robert and our worship leaders are gonna lead us in this song. And again, don't let this song be a song where you just take your stuff and you just leave the room. Don't leave here until you've settled everything with God. Would you say this prayer out loud with me?
God, let forgiveness be a characteristic of our church. As I extend forgiveness, remind me of the extravagant grace shown to me and enable me to extend that same extravagant grace to others. Let God speak to you. Respond in whatever way he's calling you to respond today. And as we do that, we'll worship together.